This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? You know what time it is. Uh, it is yet another, the second uh, in what will hopefully be many uh, Knicks Film School mailbag episodes. We are, um, I don't think this is being released until the new year, but uh, it's still 2019 as I am sitting here uh, recording this. Um, but even if it was 2020, uh, my co-host here on this episode is still um, not of working age, not of drinking age, not of fighting age. Um, anything else you're not of age to do? Um, Chris Persianen. Most, Chris is, most things that have an age requirement that aren't like Disney rides. Go on. <laughs> now you got me thinking, are there any, are there any rides that require you to be uh, 18 or above? I don't think so. What is your birthday again? I forget already. We're gonna. It's we're looking at the middle of two thousand two. So the middle. That's uh. Okay, so you got a little time. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so yes, we're doing. I, I figured it was uh what about six weeks or so since our last mailbag episode, and there's a lot of topics, uh, obviously, on the minds of Nick fans. So what what better time to do another one of these babies right now, or then right now? Um, so I should say. Uh, unlike last time when I did indeed peruse the questions ahead of time, um, I did not have an opportunity to do so, mostly because uh, I have been dealing with a kid that has uh, a case of the flu. Wonderful, awesome job uh, of of parenting by myself and my wife, not getting our three-year-old daughter a flu shot. Um, Chris, did you get your flu shot this year? I did. Look, See, you're, uh, you're better than us. I think uh, I think like a month or two ago, somewhere around there. Yeah, see, that's that's smart. That's that's wise. That's wise. Um, you know, living uh, as opposed to us. None of we none of us got the flu shot. So our daughter has the flu, and I probably have the flu too. So um, let's get some of these questions underway before I uh, just keel over and die. Uh, Chris, I'm leaving it to you, man. Start us off wherever you want. So you tweeted out that it was mailbag time. Uh, with my help, you're going to close out the new year by answering some questions, and you told people to get creative. Um, let's just go right there. Let's just go right to the uh, the creative parts. So we got from Jeremy Dumaslan. He asks, oh, from Tucson, Arizona, I might okay. add. He says, Happy New Year's. What are your thoughts on Bondi's latest article on the Knicks practice facility being too far from Manhattan and a reason KD and other players in free agency, and then he puts Jared Dudley with kind of like a rolling eyes emoji, 
choosing the Nets over the Knicks. Do you believe this is a problem for the Knicks? And on top of that, Oakster on Twitter asks, what are your thoughts on a Manhattan practice facility and where it could potentially be located? So uh, we're going to have you switch over from law to real estate for this one. Um, <laughs> um, a couple things. One, a lot of people are getting on Bondi for this, and I just want to say all Bondi did was he picked up Jared Dudley's quote uh, from an athletic question and answer. So I'm not – you know, which if I was in his position, I, I probably would do the same. I don't, I don't blame him for making this a story. I, I shouldn't even say that he didn't make it a, a story. It, it kind of was already out there. He just, you know, took it to the next level. Um, I think it's an issue in the sense that here I, I, I have a text chain with a couple of Knicks fan buddies, and and here's what I, I said before. I, I said all things being equal, if a player was going to come to the Knicks because they wanted to come to the Knicks. They're not going to not come to the Knicks because um, of the time that they're going to spend in transit between um, White Plains and Manhattan. Um, But at the same time, it's been a long time since all things have been equal because the Knicks have been a dumpster fire for an organization. So from that perspective, you'd like to think that they would, you know, try to give themselves every advantage possible. You get the logic behind having the practice facility where it is because it's away from all the temptations of city life. But like, let's be real here. Like, are you are you you're signing players ideally and drafting players who you think can like avoid that type of temptation? And if on the on the flip side of that, if a player is gonna like go out and enjoy himself, hello, J.R. Smith. Um, he's or Joakim Noah. He's gonna do so regardless. That, that was my yeah. That was my comment was exactly. Joakim Noah. He's gonna do so regardless of whether you put the practice facility in you know Manhattan, uh, you know Westchester, or you know fucking Montauk. It it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. So you know they have unlimited resources that we always like to hear about. Uh, in terms of getting to the second question, you know I've been to Hudson Yards now a few times. Um. They put a beautiful mall and an office building and a whole, like, little civilization over there. I see no reason why they couldn't. I mean, look, I don't know the politics of real estate, um, but I see no reason why James Nolan couldn't have figured out a way to get in on that um, in, in some way, shape, or form. And look, there's still there's still areas of, like, acquirable land on the island of Manhattan. Um, should they do it? Like, yeah, just because, like, why not? Like, there's no reason to. I mean, I don't know if anybody listening here has been to the area where the Knicks practice facility is. Um, I had the misfortune of when I was practicing law covering a lot of cases up in the uh, up in Westchester Supreme, which is like a stone's throw away from, from uh, where they're uh, like it is in White Plains, essentially. Um, it sucks. Have you, Chris? Have you ever been up there? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, but good my, for you. What I was gonna say is that, yeah. First of all, good for me. Um, second, what I was gonna say is wh- whether the players uh, like or dislike, I assume dislike having the practice facility up there. We've gotten some pretty funny, whether it's an Instagram story or, or a Snapchat story of Mitchell Robinson or Frank, who I remember last year, one of them was in the car with, with Mario Hazonia going up there. And it's like, they seem to, you know, they make the most out of those trips up there. Like, it's not like, I don't think it's a huge burden 
to have to go up there. I don't think they're like every time like their people are skipping practice as to avoid going up there to uh what what is that like farmland up there essentially in comparison no. to the city. It's so that's the thing is it's like it's still city. Don't mind me. I'm I'm chomping on some cheese and crackers. Um, this is how I'm spending my New Year's Eve day, folks. I'm sorry. Um, it it's. <laughs> I, I can't lie. Um, it's like it's a city up there. It's just a really shitty city. And uh. there's nothing really good to eat. Not that these players should be like, you know, going out to steakhouses every night or whatever. But for like, yeah, going up to, to, to White Plains for cuisine. Like, I don't know. But it's like, you know, you're the Knicks. Like everything that can possibly be a selling point should be a selling point. And I say that in both senses of it. Like, you're the Knicks. You should be the classiest. I, I realize that is laugh track inducing, but still, go with me here. You should be the classiest, most, like, high high standard organization in the sport. That is what you should aspire to, at least. And on the other side, again, on the other side of the coin, the fact that you've been the opposite of that for so long now means you need every need every incentive um possible to to get guys to come and like you don't want to give people a, another reason to say to say do I think like Durant and Kyrie would be here if they had a, a practice facility and like by Hudson Yards like honestly no um and does it is it going to make that big of a difference probably not um but look if you could get the sliver of advantage get it like why not I agree yeah all right, so those I thought we'd open up with that, and now I'm gonna. This next question is from Daniel Daniel M two K twenty twenty on Twitter. Um, followed him for a while, and we kind of know once I ask this question where it's gonna lead to, but maybe avoid getting there, or you could use it as a transition, honestly. But I I want to see uh, an answer to this question without the mention of of uh, a guy named Carl Anthony Towns. Oh boy. So so let's see. What is the most realistic way for the Knicks to get a franchise player? And I'm not allowed to say Carl Anthony Towns. Um the mo- See but that's tough because actually I do think he's a franchise player and that's probably the most realistic path because if you wanted to give up enough you could probably best anybody else's offer, but I know we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. So I will, in lieu of mentioning Carl Anthony Towns, um, I would say hiring because I don't think Anthony Edwards is a franchise player. Um, I would say really, hi- I that was my answer was through the draft this year. Yeah, with but he, whatever so, top, so top great whatever pick finish with the worst record in the league and then count. Um, you know, 14% worth of lottery balls, eh, that's not, I don't think that's the best chance. I think the best chance is to um, hire Masai Ujiri by giving up whatever you have to give up this summer, um, giving him a full year to renovate um, this entire organization, and then you will have, um, again, off the top of my head, um, becoming free agents in the summer of 2021, you'll have um, Kawhi if he wants to. You'll have Giannis um, if he doesn't resign this summer. Um, you will have, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody really, really good. I think LeBron isn't out that summer, although that's a little, he's a little old for my taste. Um, Paul George um, still be of a relatively young age. Um, you know, you'll have guys. 
and I think right someone will look at the combination of Knicks plus Masai plus theoretically Masai will have have kept some of these young players and and figured out a way to continue to grow them um, in a productive way. So that would be my answer. Yeah. Got it. So now. Next question. I like this one um, from the bench warmer, which is, "What do you think it'd take to get Cat if he were to ask for a trade?" And I like this question because I see a lot of people, whether it's you know like the deep, the deep dark caves of Instagram comments, like basketball page Instagram comments, where people are like, "RJ and three firsts should get it done for the Knicks. Like maybe they won't stink anymore." And it's like, all right, we deserve to get talked about like that, but I don't know if, you know, and it's like. I, then I see other things like our next question, um, which I'll tie into this one. This guy says, would you trade Mitch, Frank, or DSJ, Portis, and two first-round picks for Cat? He says, assuming that the Knicks would want to build with RJ there, and that's Brandon Kohler who asked that one. Um, so kind of, you know, what what do you think that it would take to get Cat on this team? What What does the trade package look like? And would you do a trade uh, kind of with, you know, Mitch and, and Frank and then some the Dallas first, I assume they would be? So I think there's I think there's two separate questions and I'm not going to get too deep into the first one because like, we could be here talking about it all day, which is should they even be looking to trade for Carl Anthony Towns? And I realize a lot of people might hear that and be like, how stupid are you? Um, and I don't get me wrong. I agree with. Zach Lowe, who has called Carl Anthony Towns um, potentially the most devastating offensive big man in the history of the league. Um, I, I frankly don't think that that's hyperbole. I think he could absolutely be that by the time all is said and done. Um, but we have seen better players than him be in situations where things go poorly. Um, and hey, <laughs> by the way, Look at Minnesota right now. Um, they have some talent on that team. They have some talent on that team around Cat. Um, how are they doing? It's it's not that easy. There are only, you know, two to three players in the league at a time, if that, who by themselves can make you a contender. And if you – this is why I didn't want to trade for Anthony Davis aside from the contract issue – um, it's like if you give up literally everything, like all of your draft assets, all of your young players to bring aboard a guy like that, you're essentially banking on then succeeding in free agency to try to put the necessary pieces around him. And while I think there's a good chance of that happening, I don't know that I'm at the point yet where I feel like they need to take that chance given what it would take to get him. Now, that leads us to the second part of the question, which is what would you give up? Um, and the answer is, well, they would give up what they needed to get up to give up to get him. And that's where things get dicey because, you know, I always look at Boston first. Um, Danny Ainge famously has now how many, you know, I, I mean, the Kyrie trade, I don't look at that as an all in trade. Do you, I don't look at that as an all in trade from Danny Ainge. Do you, Chris? I, I think, I think Kyrie requested a trade as we found out from cleveland and then danny ainge just kind of jumped on it yeah um but he didn't enter whether that was to make to get, to get Kyrie. yeah no he didn't it, it wasn't the whole farm that he gave up to get him and it also i don't think it was a matter of like oh this move i think he wanted that move to put them over the edge but that's not like giving up your entire team to get like 
Anthony Davis or someone like that. It, um, yeah, no, exactly, because he's been, and I believe, he's been waiting. Now, maybe the time has run out where he could cash in those chips, but you better believe if Carl Anthony Towns became available um, with the number of guaranteed years he has left on his contract, like, Danny Ainge isn't going to blink. Um, and I don't uh, know. Yeah, I was, this situation has Ainge written all over it. Yeah, um, because it does. Because if you're Minnesota, what is your goal? You're If you're giving up a guy who has the potential to be one of the five or six best players in the league, which I think Towns does, the goal is to get back a guy who's going to be the closest approximation to that. And if you look around the league in terms and, – and obviously have that guy be young too so or young-ish. So if you look around the league at the guys who could potentially be in it to get Cat – um, like the first name that I'm looking at is Jason Tatum. I think he's like RJ has been wonderful and really nice and has done some really nice things. Um, he's not Tatum and he doesn't profile to be Tatum. Um, in my humble opinion, um, I think Tatum is a better asset than, um, an unprotected pick in this year's draft. And I think honestly, Tatum's a better asset than an unprotected pick in either 2021 or 2022, because if you're trading for that pick, if you're Minnesota, you you can't guarantee that that pick is going to be high enough to get the type of franchise-altering talents that are going to be in both of those drafts. So, like, all right, fine. If Boston decides to throw in Tatum and the Memphis pick and some of their own future picks, and, I mean, do they throw in Brown, too? I mean, that's that would that's the end of the conversation. Um, that's what I was going to bring up is with that new deal. Is that something like... Is it a because okay well remember what Ainge tried to give up for Kristaps which was wasn't it I think it was said, Brown and stuff I think I could be wrong was I think what he said was um, Jay Crowder as one of the two players in the deal and then pick between <clears throat> Brown or Tatum or the, well, rather the pick the that pick that was going to become Tatum yeah Tatum. Yeah. So it was, and then Phil said, "Phil said I'll do it if it's Brown and Tatum, or Brown and that pick." And that's when Ainge bowed out. Yeah, and um, and and correctly, he should have bowed out at that point because that was too much. When you're talking about Towns with four more years after this one on on his on his contract, I mean that's now it's a different story. No, it's a different story. So look, here's the point: if Boston wants Carl Anthony Towns, they're going to get Carl Anthony Towns. And if you're talking about Boston making like. Do you want to? Do you want to force Boston to go all in? How would you do that? You do it with, you do it with RJ and Mitch and whatever other filler they want, and your pick this year unprotected, and the unprotected Knicks twenty twenty two pick, and both Dallas picks. That's right to me. What it would take now, if you're telling me that I could get Towns for. All of the stuff that I just mentioned, but I get to keep RJ, and I'm giving up the Dallas picks, this year's pick, a 2022 unprotected, and... Um, so and four, four firsts at that point. Four and firsts, then... one of which has... The Dallas pick has protections on it, and Mitch, and like Knox, and and like whatever salary filler they want. Like, am I doing that? Ugh. That I, is hefty. I'll say that. Yeah, for, but for I, everything that Mills and Perry have preached about keeping our draft capital yeah. and 
Yeah, but they're not, preaching not, that not to, sending out first round picks. Yeah, but why are they preaching that? They're preaching that to because they know when the right opportunity comes, they want to jump on it. The question is, is this like a healthy enough organization at this point to make that kind of an all in move and trust that you haven't just relegated your franchise to another decade of the fucking decade that we just saw. Um, and, and I honestly think that's that's what it would be. You look at you know what are some recent situations? We have AD in New Orleans. There's Kemba in Charlotte, like that perennial nine seed team um, of Kemba Walker leading the Charlotte Bobcats or Hornets to to just close enough to the playoffs to not make it, but still close. Like, and, and do you want to do you want to be stuck in that kind of limbo where you're not getting top <clears throat> picks, but you're not getting playoff seeding? You would need one more guy. You would you would need one more guy. Theoretically, you'd be it would be RJ. RJ Cat and and we don't have an and so well no but here's the thing though in this theoretical deal I think the Knicks would keep Randall because if you're Minnesota why do you want Julius Randall so so and that's kind of what makes me think twice about it because if you're talking about Randall who's a funky fit as a four who doesn't really space the floor at all and he doesn't protect the rim at all um, like. Towns would be in pretty close to an ideal fit for. I mean, you could say that about just about him and any four in the league, but it would really go right. for him and, and Randall. And then you throw in RJ. Um, I, I mean, yeah, they're a shooting point guard away from being probably a um, a contending team um, at some point. The question is obviously where do they get that guy? And I, I you know, I I I, I don't yeah. know the answer to that question. So, got it. All right, so we have a bunch more trade questions that get kind of all over the place. All right, we'll do, we'll do these in, a little bit between, quicker. I'll, I'll try because I know Cat was the big one, right? So. Yeah, as, yeah, that was the that that we had to that had to get addressed at this point. Um, we got a we got a very nice question um, regarding your recent newsletter, um, or rather your recent newsletters, okay. plural. So Steve asks. In your prediction strike section of the newsletter over the last few weeks, you recommended not buying Trey Young before he went off for 40 at the Garden and more recently suggested buying Bradley Beal for a game he was injured for and did not play in. (laughs) Any other wise investing tips? Oh, God. Um, Thanks for that, Steve. I do appreciate that. And actually, thank you, Steve, for reading the prediction strike section uh, of the newsletter. They are our official sponsor, so that that is very nice of you. Um, Any other wise investing tips? Yeah. Um, You know who I would invest in? And I'm cheating a little bit because I wrote about him, I think, yesterday. Um, I would would invest in Mitchell Robinson because Mitch averaged about 21 minutes a game – under Fisdale, he's gone up to 25 minutes a game under um, under Mike Miller, and I would be shocked. Is that for the season? Is that 25 for the season? No, no. So he's Fisdale? been 25 Only just, in the 11. It's he's. I think for the year, I think he's at around like 21, 22 minutes a game, but just right. under Miller. Because that was been, something. Right, that was something I was monitoring um, when we switched to Miller was how many minutes was Mitch getting. And I remember it was like the second game with Miller. He played like 29. And I was like, oh, there's something. That's a that's that's improvement. So, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, He's yeah. he, We've seen him play um, more minutes of late. I think like a lot of times you see 
Yeah, just look at some of the recent games. 28 minutes, 28 minutes, 29 minutes, 29 minutes, 27. Like, he's he's getting up there other than when he's in foul trouble like he was um, against in Washington. Like, you're going to start to see him playing 30 minutes a night. And I think a lot of players make that leap in the second half of their um, sophomore seasons. And I think Mitchell Robinson is absolutely a candidate to do it. And the nice thing about Mitchell Robinson with, if you're talking about fantasy sports, is like things like blocks and steals count for a lot. And we know what he could do with blocks. He's been stealing the ball. Like he averages over a steal. um, I think almost a steal and a half actually per 36 minutes. Um, And then obviously like his points and rebounds and and all that stuff. Um, I would... If I was to make a prediction strike investment myself, um, which I actually might do because I'm allowed to invest in the the, the company, um, I would invest in Mitchell Robinson. Um, and yeah, that would be my answer. And if you're listening to this and you haven't gotten on the prediction strike bandwagon yet, by the way, um, don't forget use code uh, KFS to uh, you get ten dollars um, off your first ten dollar uh, investment or more. So that's uh, you know that's fun. Next up. <laughs> All right, so now let's get back into the trades. Uh, after that nice note from Steve on your uh, your investment strategies, um, Brian Sanchez asks, "What are some realistic trades you think we can see this season for the Knicks, or that would involve the Knicks?" Um, I think um, they will trade Marcus Morris to whichever Western Conference contender wants him the most um i won't rehash the pain that was uh the trade discussion about sending marcus morris and uh dsj and a pick to the lakers for um kyle kuzma that was on the last podcast which by the way i'm not advocating for i'm just saying i thought it would happen um you did get an angry response about that oh my goodness gracious um i think it just makes too much sense uh to send him to the clippers um, because the Clippers could use him. The Clippers have Mo Harkless's expiring salary. The Clippers have their first-round pick to trade this year. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but they do. Um, you know, maybe you could, I mean, God, if they could pry like a Jerome Robinson, which I don't think they can, um, if maybe they had some bad salary to send out, uh, that maybe you could get that, but they, they don't, unfortunately. Um so yeah, I think he ends up on the similar. Clippers. Yeah, yeah, that no Clippers is very reasonable. This very just because you mentioned Jerome Robinson, something that I keep seeing get floated around is the Nuggets, and then they throw in like a Malik Beasley. Um, yeah, I don't think the Nuggets are throwing in Malik Beasley to any deal. I think they want a first round pick for Malik Beasley. That's that's really yeah. I because think about it, you're trading for Malik Beasley's restricted free agency rights. So if you believe Malik Beasley is a starting two guard and you can like guarantee yourself that player, um, I, I just don't know if that's the main – like I like the deal with Denver would be for Mason Plumlee and um, I guess Malik Beasley. Two seconds? Or... Well, if it well, – so Denver – Not Malik Beasley, but two seconds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Like, because the thing is, Denver like they like Mason Plumlee. Mason Plumlee is a part of their culture. He he actually plays good minutes for them. 
It's like, I'm not sure if they want to sacrifice Plumlee for what Morris could bring them. To me, the Clippers is like a neater fit. That's why I think that trade is, is more likely to happen. And I don't think Denver is um, in a rush to trade their first-round pick. I think they can. I'll double-check that right now. Um, but yeah, I think would it be, he, I, with with the Clippers, would it be like a Mook for Mo Harkless and then their first round? And their pick first, that's the trade. Mook and, Very simple. That's it. I okay. think that's the trade. I like it. Yeah. All right. Now, what's next? Right. So, all right, we got an email from Jaden Darcy who asks, "Would you take on a medium sized contract over two to three years in order to get something back for Morris? For example, Joe Ingles, thirty two years old, three years." $34 million, and a mid to late first rounder for Morris. He brings up Ingles because Utah needs a capable score. They need a swing man that can play the three and four. And he notes that their owner hasn't been happy with their bench players, and he uses Jeff Green and Dante Exum as examples. So, the th- uh, well, first of all, uh, just to close a loop that I started, uh, that I opened before, Denver cannot trade their first round pick this year. They already owe it. Um, and there's actually. Um, but it should convey this season to OKC. So they would not be able to trade a pick until 2022. Um, that's actually more interesting to me. Um, Mook for, um, what's his face, Plumlee and a 2022 pick. But uh, I digress. Um, Utah cannot trade Ingles this season because he just signed um, whatever type of extension he signed in the summer. Uh, so he's not eligible to be traded, I believe, until July 1st. Um, so they wouldn't be able to do that, but just the concept of like, like if you look back at recent trades where a team is getting a first round pick, they're sending a really good player and they're taking back like bad money. I don't think Joe Ingles is bad money. Um, but that type of trade, um, sure. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to think like what other players they would have. Like you, I don't think. Anybody else other than Morris is someone that another team would value enough to give up a first-round pick even if the Knicks are taking back bad money. Like, I think Morris is good enough that a a team would trade a low first in this year's draft and an expiring to get him. But I don't see anyone else the Knicks have. Like, Bobby Portis, like, who's Bobby Portis moving the needle for, you know? I don't, um... Westchester. That's, oh man, that was mean. That was that was mean. That was below the belt. That was below the belt. But that's okay. Um, yeah, I'm I just, serious. Please, Scott Scott Perry and Steve Mills, if you're listening, please God call up Kenny Wooten. Um, that's all. Thank you. I I no, I agree with like you know Minnesota. Once upon a time, you would have been like, oh, you know, Bobby Portis could help them. You know, take on Gorgie Jang's contract. Well, guess what? Gorgie Jang, I think, is hitting threes at a higher rate than. Portis has been for the last month, so um, I think he had 13 points and 20 rebounds last night. Oh, he was great. He he hit a huge corner three to help win that game. Um, Yeah, and you know, it's like teams are smarter now. There's like not that many. There's like not that many dumb teams. Like, okay, so Sacramento wants to, or Dwayne Dedman wants out of Sacramento. Um, Dedman's getting paid. 13.3 13.3 million this year and next year and then he has a, a 1 million dollar guarantee for the third season. But like if the Kings are are dumb enough to give up like a future first round pick to unload Deadman's contract, um I should hope that they're going to be able to get a better player than um than Bobby Portis or like whoever they would want on the Knicks roster that's not um 
uh, Marcus Morris. Now, would they want Marcus right. Morris? Like, if you're, I mean, shit. If you're telling me that, I mean, I can, isn't that why they, isn't that why they signed Trevor Ariza to that deal was to try to get him to be that kind of guy? Yeah, and, and then and they're so, because they're Sacramento, that worked out in the way that it did. Yeah, and and by the way, Sacramento already has a four that's playing out of position at the three in Harrison Barnes. Um, so like, I don't, I just don't see them as a likely, um, trade candidate for, for Marcus Morris. Otherwise I would say, yes, please try to finagle, uh, the Kings first round pick for, uh, Dwayne Dedman. <laughs> um, we, well, I'll even, we'll even throw in, uh, I don't know, name, name your, name your young player. Um, I would, I would consider it, but anyway. Right. All right. So next up, this is kind of a. Not a not what trade do you see happening, but kind of what kind of player can you see us trading for that fits this kind of mold? So, the real Dijon asks, can you think of a young shooting guard, good shooter, needs to work uh, on other parts of his game that that's kind of a project type player that we could trade for? Um, someone in the responses noted uh, Chetty Osman or Josh Hart, but I, I don't even. And then he also said, why would you want a shooting guard? Um, so there's, I think there's a lot to unpack with this one. So young shooting guard, that's a project that we could trade for. Do you have a list? Um, I don't have a list because of course I, I don't prepare for my own podcasts. That would be, um, that would be responsible of me. Um, the right. first, the first name that comes to, I mean, Malik Beasley is in a different category cause I don't think he's like a problem. Um, like he's, he's not like underdeveloped. He's good. He just can't get time there. Um, the first name that popped into my mind was Malik Monk. Who I just pulled up his stats is shooting. I like that. He he is shooting a glorious, a glorious twenty six percent from behind the arc on um, three point six attempts per game in just over twenty minutes of play. Um, I I'm sorry, but I don't I don't I don't really want um, Malik Monk. I don't. Like that's like that's so. Here's the problem with this question, and this is not a cop out because I don't have a ready list of players to to say here. The problem with this question is bringing in and like paying some type of even small price for somebody else's developmental problem assumes that you are going to be able to fix that player's issues. And, and that's I, something we're going to be getting into. Uh, in a, uh, I have a question coming up about our own development as a team, so yeah, that'll be interesting to and, touch on later. Go on. Yeah, no. So, and I won't. Well, I won't spoil the answer to that question, but I'll say in short, like what you know, what evidence do we have yet? And I'm, I'm not saying I don't believe in the Knicks development staff. I, I, I think it's just you know we don't have the evidence yet. Like we're starting to see some signs of late on the defensive end from Knox. Like Mitch obviously is Mitch. But like, how much of that is him, and how much of that is the Knicks? Um, yeah, I just like I don't like if the Knicks are going to trade for a young player, you know, you you you'd feel safer if it was a young guy that it just the fit wasn't working in his current situation. But again, if that's the only problem, then you're going to have to pay a premium because if you're not paying a premium, somebody else will, and somebody else is going to. Is like I'm thinking like Laurie Markin in in Chicago, and I'm I'm not even saying that that fit necessarily can't work out, but like those are the the types of players you're thinking. Anyway, uh, next. Right. Okay. So we have two players left. Two separate questions. One player mentioned in each um, regarding trades, and we'll we'll be done with trade talks. 
for today. We're going to start off with RJ from Buffalo, New York, wrote us, I think, in my storied career as the Knicks Film School podcast <laughs> question reader, um, is going to be the longest one I've ever read. I won't read the whole thing. Please don't. But I'll say that he made he made very good points um, about trading for Bogdan Bogdanovich, and he has in bold, we need to trade whoever, minus RJ and Mitch, of course, and then give the bag to Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Sacramento Kings. He likes his potential. He says that if he think he thinks that if he was a starter and given 30 minutes a night, he could be an efficient 20 points per game player who complements our other wing, which would be RJ. Um, he liked his performance in the World Cup, and he likes that he can shoot the lights out. He says that a trade, in his opinion, like Frankie Knox and one of the Dallas first rounders could get the deal done, and then we would be paying him because we'd essentially be trading for his RFA rights. Um, and he says we'd still have. We would be able to keep our first rounder to get someone, whether it's Nico or Lamelo or Cole, someone like that, and then work from there with RJ, Mitch, Nico or Lamelo, and Bogdan Bogdanovich on the team, and I guess Julius Randle also. Now that I think about it, so um, I'm just looking something up real quick because I just pulled up. I, I, let me let me preface this answer by saying I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is a, like this is the guy that everybody was making fun of me for saying that um, I think on the crossover episode that we did um, over the maybe over the summer with the posting and toasting guys, I'm pretty sure that I said I would give up both Dallas picks or consider giving up both Dallas picks and both um, Charlotte picks, which now don't look as good um, for bogey um, because I, I think that highly of him. I mean, he's ever, he's not, he has not started a game yet this year. He's averaging, um, seven three-point attempts in just 28 minutes of action, and he's hitting them. I can't at, wait for this percentage. I can't wait for this percentage. Go on. Yeah, he's hitting them at a 39% clip, which I'm I like. just – I'm what I wanted to go pull up right now is how many guys are um, taking that many threes per 36 minutes and are hitting them at that high a rate. And um, – it's um, looking right now. I think Cat. If I'm going to be honest, I think Cat is up there. So it's Cat. I'll tell you right now who it is. It's Cat. It's Duncan Robinson, who is like out of a storybook in, in my. Oh my god, what a player! Um, and I'm just talking about guys who have actually played um, significant uh, minutes this season. It's Devonte Graham, right. who is um, unbelievable, as uh, we well know, and I think that oh Kemba sorry Kemba's awesome um Bertans another one who's like routinely shooting flames out of his butt um on a nightly basis and then uh I think that's the oh Paul George yeah Paul George is pretty good so like those are the names of the guys that are doing essentially on a per 36 minute basis from downtown what what Bogey's doing and he's giving you ball handling and he's giving you some size um and like he's just like a smart player. He's a guy that you want on your team. Um, and of course, Sacramento isn't starting him because they just invested a hundred million dollars in Harrison Barnes. Go Kings! Um, here's the problem. <laughs> here's the problem. You're you are paying a king's ransom for the right to over uh-huh. to the to overpay. Bogdan Bogdanovich, because for as wonderful a player as I just described, 
like because of the nature of free agency this summer, like you're going to need to give him a max contract. So it's like if you were paying for bogey and you knew you could get bogey at like 20 million a year, um, like for four years, $80 million, except that's not the deal you're getting him on. You're getting him on like the, like the Jalen Brown contract basically. Right. You know? So yeah, it's like you, you either, you can overpay in the trade to get him and then pay a reasonable contract or even a bargain. That's, that's obviously great. Or you can not overpay in the trade to get him and then overpay him in free agency. But I don't think the Knicks can afford both right well, now. Well, see, but that's the thing is like I would probably – because what's it going to take to get him? Like some team out there is going to give up a first-round pick for him and a good young player that's like better than Kevin Knox. So it's like I'm not giving up RJ. Is it – do you gi- think – I, I don't know if I'm crazy. Do you think it's Malik Monk and, and, a, and a first from Charlotte? Would, would they do that? Uh, I don't think that's enough to get him because I don't think – like if you're telling me Charlotte would give up, um, uh, what's his face? Um, the other, um, oh my God, Bridges. Um, if you're telling me Charlotte would give up Bridges, but even like Bridges and Charlotte's first this year, like I don't know, I don't know if that's the best offer like that Sacramento will get. Like PJ Washington and their first this year, but again, that gets back into the Charlotte's roster construction, and they have a bunch of bigs already, but like. The point is, like, just those names that were thrown around, like Knox. Like, do you like would would the no the Knicks should not give up their unprotected first round pick to for the right to pay Bogdan McDonough thirty million dollars a year? What they should do is they should go into restricted free agency and offer him a max contract, and if the Kings match it, great, the Kings match it. If not, then. That like that would be something I'm comfortable doing. I would be comfortable overpaying Bogey by whatever you think that overpay is, five to ten million dollars a year. Um, but I'm not giving up assets and doing that same overpay, you know, four months later. So yeah. Right. All right. So our next potential trade target, and this this question is less about the trade target and more about my favorite Knicks employee, Stephen Mills. Um <laughs> We never heard him Al- referred to as Steven. Why doesn't he get referred to as Steven ever? It's always Steve. I wonder if he wants to be called Steven. He's he's cool, remember? He he can relate he, to the superstar. He so. he is he is cool unless you ask Derek Rose. Um cool guy. then he's then he's not cool, but we, every, we No, every that. everyone loves Steve Mills. He is a cool guy. <laughs> I like Why? Steve. I like Steve Mills. Steve Mills is okay. Okay, okay what's the question? God, I hate him. All right, Albert Otero Jr. asks, "Do you think the front office swings for the fences?" for someone like Westbrook in order to keep their jobs or continue to stack assets for the future and possibly lose their jobs at the end of the season? Um, I think they, I don't think they have any interest in trading for Westbrook. I think that like internet rumor that I saw um, within the last week or so was completely bogus. Um, I, I feel like I know not like personally, but I just I feel like I have a good enough sense of this front office to know that they're not going to do that. Um, I do think that they will before trade season is over. I think they will make a trade that could. How do I phrase this? Um, 
I think that they will make a trade that is not just sending off um, a veteran or like a young player that hasn't worked out here, like a Dennis Witt Jr., for picks. I think that they will try to get more creative, and I think that they will try to bring aboard at least one decent young-ish player that will help them this year and that they will be able to sell to James Dolan will help. I was going to say, are they going to be allowed to, they're kind of, they're they're a a lame, lame duck. But that's the thing is I don't think, I I don't think Dolan would ever uh, sign off on a Westbrook trade or like a John Wall trade or like whoever. Um, but I think they will. Forgot John Wall existed. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, he's he's out there. He's enjoying his time on the bench. Um, I I do think that they will. They will find a trade that they will be able to sell. Let's let me just say that. That's that's my gut feeling. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now. We're gonna get into. I wanted to go into some some development, some some draft comparisons, things like that. But first, I thought a, a good question for the new year would be our question from Howard Megdal, which yes. is hi Howard. Fearless prediction for next decade's record, including the number of playoff appearances. Oh God. Um. The, so there are. So I'm basically. Out of 820 games, how many will they win? How many will they lose? Um, I suppose so. Sure. Um, they will make someone has to someone has to record this and come back and find me 10 years from now to let me know how this prediction made out. Um, they will win 420 games. They will lose 400 games. And they will, oh. and they will make. That is okay. They will make. They will make five playoff appearances. And they will win. Okay, I. And they will win. At least one playoff series. I mean, actually, no. I'll go a step further. I say that there will be at least one year. So basically, I'm I'm kind of predicting the playoffs that the playoff. Um the playoff uh, resume that we had in this last decade. I I think they will make five playoff appearances, which is, I know more than they made the last decade. Um, And I think at least one of those will feature a series, at least one series win. That is, that is what I am comfortable predicting right now. And I'm not giving any context to why I'm predicting this. I'm just, it's just a guess. Right. I, I don't hate that. I think that's a, Uh, people, I think, I think non Knicks fans might laugh at you for the, for projecting a winning decade. I mean, um, look, st- shit can only stink it. for so long. Eventually, it loses its smell and it just kind of sits there. So, all right, all right. I like that. <laughs> you like so the now, shit comparison? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think, I think that works for this franchise right now. Sh- sure. Okay, so we're gonna get into. Some some draft stuff. Okay. So let's let's go with. Uh, I guess this can be the kind of the third <laughs> act of our of our of our pod today. I so like it. gonna just I'm just gonna get right to it. Kiwi asks on Twitter, as of today, would you have drafted Michael Porter Jr. 
over Kevin Knox. And I, I have my own take on this, but uh, you know, obviously, this is this is your your operation here, so you go ahead first. Um, I'll, I'll give a, a quick answer. Um, no, um, I know the kid scored 19 points in his last game. Um, I know the jumper looked really good. Um, I know he is bigger and like more skilled um, and more talented. Um, but one, I need to see more. Two, he's a year older. And three, the back is not like backs don't magically improve. I don't care what you do to them. I practice not many, not many things I remember from my days practicing law, but one of them is that when you have a bad back um, and you're not old enough to drink yet, that's not, that's a bad thing. And um, I think I've seen, I've seen just enough from Knox over the last several weeks to make me reconsider, to, to make me like, give the answer that I just gave. What, what are you, what is your, where do you come down on this? I had the same thoughts as you. I'm, I'm glad we agree on that one. I think that you look at Knox's age, especially, you know, Knox versus Macal Bridges. I think when you're in this state as a franchise, you take Knox cause he's that much younger and you have that much more, I guess I'm trying to think of like a, a clay molding analogy. You know what I mean? Like you have enough, you, you have so much more that you can do with him in a in a development sense and in terms of directing him as a player in a certain direction. Um, then 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 Macal Bridges, who was 22, like on draft night, or 21 on draft night. He was old. Yeah, I think he was 21, and and he and Knox was 18. So that, that's a that's a notable difference. I think between Knox and Miles Bridges, it came down to just you know didn't didn't it was something about the the pre-draft workout and it was uh someone brought up like oh Donovan Mitchell impressed in pre-draft workouts but they didn't go with that and they went with their like overall scouting which led them to Frank so then this time Knox impressed in pre-draft workouts and they went with him because of that maybe to try to to, to avoid their mistake with Mitchell and um you know something like that but. I think Knox over Miles Bridges isn't a fireable offense. I think you know Knox has enough potential still to to, to justify that. Knox over Porter is not an easy choice, but I think I don't. I have no qualms with the fact that they took Knox in that Porter's college tape was mostly non-existent due to his injury problems, and there was like some, something about that family, like the entire Porter family has terrible injury history. Um, well, the brother just, obviously has, you know, what what happened. I mean, that guy was supposed to be a top ten pick, and he's he didn't get drafted last year, and he has I don't know what he's doing right now, but yeah, he tore the same ACL twice, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's not good. Yeah, and and just real quick and on I Knox, saw something I don't know if it's true or not. I saw something about the sister of that family also having like like insane amounts of injuries. I, I don't know if there's any sort of truth to that. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, Sierra, Sierra Porter medically retired. Yeah, from, that's from that's basketball. not what you want. Um, and, and just real very quickly on Knox, um, like aside from the defensive improvement that we've seen, which I I wrote about um, in one of the recent newsletters, I forget. But like, if you look at his per thirty six numbers, uh, his blocks per thirty six have more than doubled. His steals have gone up. His assists have gone up fifty percent. Um, his uh, shooting overall, his like um, effective uh, field goal percentage has gone up. It's like the signs are there that there's still a player in there somewhere. Um, what will he get there? I, I don't know, but I'm not willing to jump. We, ship we get those 30 second 
Twitter clips once a month or maybe maybe once every other month of him just having some ridiculous sequence. The last one was like the block and then the three on the other end with the like dribble move into the three, something like that. Yeah, you know, we, I mean, we get like, those flashes. That stuff is, you know, that's I mean, his effective field goal percentage has gone up nearly 40 points. So it's like I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not bailing on the kid yet. And it was it was Mike Vorkanov. I don't know how long ago, but but Vork put out an article and he headlined it on Twitter with it was like 25% of Kevin Knox's career blocks have come in the last 10 games. And there was, you know, there was like that 10 game stretch a little earlier. Maybe it was like half Fizdale, half Miller, like around that time. And he was just he looked yep. mildly competent on defense. Well, they um, I mean, they're under Miller. The opponents are scoring and I've, I've said this a few times. Opponents are scoring 105 points per 100 possessions while Knox is on the floor um, against the Knicks under Miller. That's absurd. Um, if you've ever you know watched Kevin Knox play defense before, like the last several weeks, I'm not saying he's been good, but the fact that teams aren't targeting him to the point where it literally breaks down everything else they want to do on defense, like that's progress. Um, so yeah, and, and I still don't think we've seen him at his long term position. Um, just again because of the roster construction, which may loosen up in the coming weeks. So yeah, don't don't ship, ship just yet. I don't want to get down this hole, but I just like between not being able to play Knox at the four, and not being able to call up Wooten and th- things like that. Like I just I want Bobby Portis off my team so badly. Well, I just I want him gone um, so badly. You're gonna you're gonna get your wish. I can pretty much assure you of that. Thank God. All right. So moving on now, uh, you know, the, you, you kind of just answered this question, but I, I like the second, the second part of this question is, is valid. So we have Kevin McEwen asks, what's your opinion on Knox? Is he a bust or does he still need more time to develop because of his age? I'll jump in and say that I think his age is a huge positive in what we're seeing right now. He has a lot more time to develop. There's like a three year rule with prospects. If you want to, if you want to call it like that, and uh, he's in the middle of year two, so and he's I think still, he has a lot more to show us. Still, one of I believe the ten youngest players in the league, if not ten, then like fifteen for sure. Yeah, so we you know you kind of answered that question earlier, but I, I think that uh, I, I could steal it and just say I like Knox, I like the flashes that we're getting, and I, I see him being good. I said last year that like if he turns into if if Kevin Knox's prime is Rudy Gay's prime. I would not be upset. Yeah, I um, I, I don't think we're going to get that shot creation, but like if literally all he can do, he needs to do three things, right? He needs to not get played off the floor on defense. He needs to be able to hit um 40% from 3 on catch and shoot jumpers um above the arc, uh, above the break, excuse me, catch and shoot jumpers. And he needs to be able to put the ball on the floor and do a thing with it that makes sense um, more often than not. That's all. That's all he needs to do. If he does that, he's an incredibly right. valuable NBA player at his size. So, yeah. All right. So now we have uh, – doesn't have to be a, a Knicks question, but um, more of just a draft question. The Nickinator asks you to define a draft bust, and this will kind of get into our next question that we have in our – email so so i'll let you do this one and then we'll get into the that that next probably last long question all right um in short i think you know it when you see it um like 
I'm trying to think back. Like Mike Sweetney's a draft bust, right? Um, a lottery pick who was never an NBA player. Um, I is like, you know, is Marvin Williams a draft bust? Marvin Williams was drafted one spot um, ahead of Deron Williams and and Chris Paul. Um, he has. I actually, there is a part of me that wants to say at this point that Marvin Williams has scored more career points than he has a lot of those than Deron yeah, Williams. I saw a stat about. No, no, close. Um, he's he's at ten thousand eight. He's ten thousand eight fifty. Deron Williams is at thirteen eight oh four. I think Marvin Williams could actually play another few years in the league. I would not be shocked if he. If he gets there, but in any case, it's like Marvin. He is, he's thirty three now, is it? So, um, I, I yeah, think... but like he scored the seventh most points in his draft class, and he is a above average shooter from deep that can play the floor. Right. Like that's a viable player. Like he will, I think, probably get traded to a contender this year unless Charlotte stays in it, and like. You know, he might help someone win a playoff game at this age. Like, is that a draft bust? Like, I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, what about guys that, like, flash early and, like, you know, go away late that, like, can you have a draft bust in, like, the second round? Like, Landry Fields. Is Landry Fields a draft bust? He was awesome in his first year with the Knicks and then did literally nothing else for the rest of his career. But he was a second-round pick. So, like, is he a draft bust? I I don't know. I, it's a tough. You can't put a definition on this. It's bust, just... bust has a lot to do with with expectations. So I, I think maybe Landry gets gets saved here. Um, yeah, it's like I, I'll throw another I, name I, at you. Is like is Nerlens Noel a draft bust? Oh like, boy, no, no. Like Nerlens Noel is like a productive NBA player right now. He's a helpful. NBA He's on player. my fantasy team. Yeah, no. When he goes on the floor, he like does good things. He was drafted in the worst draft maybe ever with the sixth pick. Um, he was drafted after several guys who he's had a more productive NBA career than. Like again, is he a draft bust? I I don't know. Um, yeah, tough. I'm sorry to give a cop out answer, but I just I don't I don't really know how else to right. answer this. Okay, so I guess for our our final uh, legitimate question, because we have some <laughs> some. So illegitimate questions i love to get into after yeah um so alex paris asks in our email he says longer question his questions about the knicks recent draft record which is something that people like to use against them there's going to be wins and losses in every team's draft records and he doesn't think that there have been any massive mistakes in recent years he notes that no one thought Jokic or don would be that good and they have to be given credit for mitch you shouldn't expect to draft a superstar every time um if your draft picks become solid rotational pieces or good starters, that's a win. And he says that it looks like Knox, Frank, Mitch, and RJ are going to fit in there. Um, superstars can be traded for or acquired through free agency. Um, our core wasn't ready for Durant and Kyrie, so he doesn't want to go chasing free agents. and He doesn't want to tank. He wants to build a competitive young roster focused on development that's still trying to win. So he says, not really a question in the end, just a bit of a rant. But no, there were questions in there. He thinks... So I'll pull out the questions for him. Sure. Question number one would be uh, the Knicks' recent draft record. Is this something that should get used against Perry and Mills or uh, used to bolster their resumes? And uh, we won't get into the Maasai part of his email. But I, I think the draft record in terms of evaluating our front office is is a good point that he brought up. What do you think? Um, I think 
so right like is Frank Nila, Frank Nilakina doesn't go on their on their docket, right? Like that's uh, he doesn't no, I would well like I know I like Mills so. that was that was a very Phil pick. Yeah, no, that was a Phil pick. So if if Frank doesn't go on them, um I think the draft record is I think there's three types of draft records. I think there's glaringly good, glaringly bad, and like in between. I think it's in the in between zone. Um right now trending towards trending up. Um, And again, like, I don't know how to have these conversations without bringing into the fold, like, consensus. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, let's say R.J. Barrett turns out to be the fifth or the sixth or the eighth best player in this draft. Like, everybody everybody and their mother was like, it's a three, like take him at three. You're going to, you know, if you tell me that like um, Darius Garland, who I think went four and like was the kind of on the Knicks radar. Five. Was he, who would, Oh, that's right. The Hawks traded up to Hunter. get uh, Hunter. That's right. Like you want to tell, but still let's use Garland as the example. You want to tell me that Garland is like, it turns out to be like the next, you know, Dame Lillard or something like, okay, you want to get on the Knicks for that? Sure. But like, Short of something like that, like if, um, you know, I'm trying to think of like a good example. Um, if like PJ Washington turns into like the next, I, I, I just th- literally just throwing a name out there, like the next LaMarcus Aldridge. And like RJ Barrett tops out as like, you know, a decent starter um, on like a decent team. Like the does that go against like their this this front office's draft record like i don't know to me it's more and maybe this is like putting lipstick on a pig but to me like getting mitchell robinson like finding the diamond in the rough you get more credit for that than you do a knock against you for taking the guy that everybody agreed that you should take and maybe isn't as good as someone that were drafted after him whereas a pick like Knox, like that falls right in the middle because there were definitely other guys who people were like, no, I think the Knicks should take him instead of Kevin Knox. There's McCall, there's Shea, there's Miles Bridges, there's Michael Porter. Um, and Shea wasn't even in the conversation for us at that point. So I don't. it's very easy to say, oh, Knicks wouldn't be so bad if well, they had just taken Shea over Knox. But Shea wasn't – was he really see, even in the – Yeah, but that's, that's dicier because to me it doesn't really matter – like once you get lower in the like RJ is one thing, right? Like where like many, many, many people were like, This is the guy. And like you never know like even if like the Knicks secretly thought like, oh, maybe Garland like turned out to be a little bit better, like you don't know what trade down scenarios are available. But like, you know, look at like Russell Westbrook, right? Like Russell Westbrook, like that was a three player draft after and well I don't know if Hashim the beat was really considered like at the top of that prospect list but whatever there was there was Harden and and there was um my god I'm forgetting um and I actually might be getting my drafts uh confused it was the draft with Russell Russbrook and Harden was the Harden was the third pick in the 2009 draft when was Um, Russ and Kevin Love went back to back in um 
maybe they were it, maybe i'm thinking of the westbrook was the 2008 draft he was pick number four. four and then love was that the oj mayo michael beasley derrick rose draft or am i getting my i'm getting my years uh, confused for sure westbrook was 2008 beasley was 2008 oj mayo was pick three 2008 yeah okay yeah. so like that year russell westbrook was slated all throughout the draft process to be like a late lottery pick all throughout the entire draft process and then like 24 to 48 hours before the draft, it was like, oh, Russell Westbrook's sneaking up. And you know what? Oklahoma City had the balls to take him. So, like, yeah, that, like, to me, I don't care if Shea Gilders Alexander was, like, not on the Knicks' radar. The fact that he went two picks after, or three picks, whatever it is, after the guy that they ended up taking, and, um, like, like, that wouldn't have been unreasonable. So, like, if Knox turns out to be a bust, then... Fuck yeah, I'm I'm holding that against this front office's um, draft record. We're not there yet, but like, yeah, I I would hold that against them for sure. Got it. Yeah, okay, I would I think, say like is uh, yeah, sorry. Give me give me your response. I was uh, yeah, about so, to, get, so, to I was about to say I'm so, very excited for our, our illegitimate questions. Uh, yeah, we we have two of them, so so we'll we'll get right into that. But I, um, I just wanted to add like, I th- I think that. Um, it's very hard with the, you were saying about consensus, right? Like everyone said we should take RJ because you know, there's the point of things where it's like, oh, well, everyone said they should take RJ, but they brought in Garland. This is 10 years from now. Garland has a way better career than RJ over the first 10 years, right? You go, oh, the Knicks brought in Garland kind of last minute and maybe they really liked him. They chose RJ and yeah, that was consensus, but aren't they the basketball minds? Shouldn't they know that, you know, if they thought Garland was the right pick, they should have taken him. Garland ended up being the much better player. And you say like, oh, you know, consensus uh, doesn't matter because they are the guys getting paid to do basketball. So yeah, um, there's that side. Then there's also the if they took Garland, we get you know this whole year we would get so much just 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 of everything negative for taking Garland over RJ because of consensus. And then maybe Garland outplays RJ um, in his rookie year, and we don't look as bad. But it's just interesting that like you know con- like the public perception takes a i wonder how much of a toll that takes on the gm and their like it shouldn't you you can argue it shouldn't take any toll on their decision making it shouldn't affect it at all and then i just finished watching the dave gettleman giants presser where he goes like oh yeah the thoughts of the fan base totally matter to me and that's something i totally keep in mind and think about and you know that's a if you ever feel if you ever feel real bad about the knicks front (laughs) office just go just go watch a dave gettleman press conference but that's a whole other thing that's a good piece of advice. Um, Darius Garland, by the way, shooting 37% from downtown. I did not realize um, that number was that How high. How many attempts? Um, not too many. 4.7 attempts per game. He's okay. averaging uh, 28 minutes a night. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't think they would. I, I, I don't think the Knicks would do over RJ. I think they love um, what he – I think they probably love what, he's, what he is off the court, maybe even more than what he is on it at this point, but – um, yeah. Anyway, okay. Let's finish up. We've been right, talking so, for far too long. So, an uh, an anonymous um, listener asks, <laughs> "Who is your favorite Jewish co-host slash frequent guest over the age of eighteen in an effort to exclude Jeremy Cohen?" Um. So I know you said it's anonymous, but um, I think I think David Futternick maybe having a little. Fun oh, great choice with this one. Um, but even if I even if I didn't know that this question came from Fuddy, 
Um, you would I'm, have known. That you this know question what? It, because you, you know what it is. It's not only is it a good conversation, but the fact that I get to talk on the podcast with a famous actor makes me feel better about myself um, and my life and my choices that I've made. So, um, for many reasons, uh, my answer is is David Frodenick. I think that's a I think that's a well selected answer. <laughs> Why, and, and our to uh, to close out our mailbag, Mike Vorkanov of the Athletic wants to know when at Chris Percy Einan is going to take over and get his own podcast. Um, um, I how think about, the listeners really want to know about this one. So how, how about right now? I think I'm re- I think I should retire. Um, no, man. You, uh, effective immediately. Effective for immediate release. You uh, you know I I don't know. I don't know if I told you this, but I had after the first one of these that we did, um, I can't tell you how many people I had reach out to me and be like, man, you're really good at like just finding talent, um, which is oh no, I'm t- I listen, I, I swear on my daughter. I had, I had people come in, come to me and multiple people um, who are not like normal, who I don't talk with all the time. So, um, you are awesome. You have been a find, and um, I am sure that there would be no shortage of folks who would be quite happy if I uh, uh, rode off into the sunset and you took over for me. Um, who knows? We'll see. You know, any well, like like the Knicks, we're going to reassess after this season. Going to re- refocus our priorities. Um, oh, you know, boy. come up with a new a new game plan. It's all about the game plan. Um, but yeah, no, you have, you have been awesome and Vork don't rest assured, uh, Chris is, uh, going to be a, a big part of things moving forward. Thank you. Is that it? That's is always, that we done? It's always good to hear. That's, uh, that, that's, that was our last question. That Jesus was the Christ. second of two illegitimate questions, um, <laughs> or rather non-actual New York Knicks related questions. And, uh, that's it. You've answered both. Fantastic. All right, so it is now. Um, what time is it? It is now almost one o'clock on New Year's Eve. You should go um, start drinking your White Claws or your uh, your Zimas or whatever the whatever the hell you kids drink nowadays. Um, Water or that, you know. Um, I don't think I. I don't think I drank. When did I really? I don't. I didn't get bombed on New Year's Eve until I was in college. Um, and actually, even then, because you're home from college, so you don't get bombed on New Year's Eve as a college student unless, you know, your parents are real degenerates, which mine, um, thankfully, were not. What What are your plans tonight for the for the big the big uh, big evening? I'm gonna get a uh, get together with a couple of friends. I'm not sure how many, maybe like a twenty ish around there, and uh, just just hang out. And um, I think I'll be sleeping over somewhere. So. I was about I to say, is there is there? I told a... my parents I'll see them next year. You know, I had to I had to throw in the dad joke. Um, um the, what, what what was the dad joke? I'll, I'll see my parents. Oh, I'll next see them. Yeah, I guess that is a dad. See that you know that you're a person who makes dad jokes when you get a dad joke told to you and you don't realize it's a dad joke. Um, is there going to be a possibility that people will fornicate at this party? I, I'm. If this is leading to the ad read that I think it is, uh. You know I that's guess. that's very funny because I have no control over when those when those sex toy ads get put into the show. Well, I have control over when they get slotted in, but I don't know which one is going to be 
the sex toy ad. Let me rephrase the question. How about this? I'll, I'll clean it up. What do you think is a higher probability of happening? The Knicks trade for Carl Anthony Towns before this year's trade deadline or some two people, two people, it can't be one person fornicating because that's that's not that doesn't really count. Or two people are going to fornicate at this at this party, which is more likely to happen? Uh, I'm going to think optimistically and say we get cat. That is wow. that is my wishful thinking. All right. You got to find a new fucking group of friends, my man. Um, all right. On that note, um, Chris, I'm kidding. Have wishful, wishful thinking. Wishful have, thinking. Have a great time that, tonight. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure somebody will get laid. Maybe it'll even be you. Maybe I'll get laid. Who knows? Crazier, crazier things have happened. All right. We've uh, we've gone off the rails. What an appropriate way to end this. Last so far <laughs> off the rails. The the train is in the Atlantic Ocean. Oh god, um, it's at the bottom of the ocean and on fire. Only only this podcast train could be both ablaze and submerged at the same time. All right. Um, Sounds that's... like the Knicks as an organization. All right, I'm done here. There it is. <laughs> we're, we're, we're finished. Um, thank you, Chris, of course. And uh, and most of thank all, you. I, I do what I can here. Um, thank you, uh, everybody, for, for listening to this. Um, it's It's been a pleasure to uh, do these pods uh, in, the, in the year that we've just had, and it'll be a pleasure to keep doing them in the year ahead. So um, everybody have a safe, happy, healthy New Year, the whole thing. And we will be back with you very soon. Giddy up. Hey, guys. You knew I wouldn't let the year end without saying one more quick word from our good friends at Vivid Seats. You've heard me talk about Vivid Seats for, God knows, just the longest time. And that's because they're awesome. And they are absolutely your top source for tickets to events that you want to go to, whether they be sporting events, whether they be theater tickets, whether they be music shows, anything you could possibly want. Vivid Seats is the way to go, not only because they have a loyalty program that allows you to earn credit back called Vivid Seats Rewards, something that you're automatically enrolled in, not only because they have a 100% buyer guarantee on all of your purchases, and not only because they are easily findable on the App Store or Google Play that you could download, it's also because, hey, if you're trying to save some money as we start the new year, get that budget in order. If you haven't used it yet, use promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. One more time, of course, Vivid Seats.